the Green Lady Lounge. Kansas City in the autumn time. Part of it is that I'm ready for people to hear it. This has been such a long process. I don't know if you've heard about the long wait times for vinyl, but that's been a big adventure. Like they told me, once you have all your files in, and that means all of your digital files for your uh, graphic design, like all of it, you have to turn all that in and then wait eight more months. That's Emma Joe. I'm Jamie Green, and this is Trading Force. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Jamie Green. I'm getting super close to Thanksgiving. I hope you and your family are doing well. And I, I've got a, a repeat performer. Emma Joe is back on the podcast. She uh, came in really early on, one of the first guests. Uh, when I started this podcast, I was doing solely Kansas City people. She's great. And she uh, reached back out. She's got a new album out. New album, new music, folks. It is, uh, you can find it. It's called Girl Bandit. Yeah, she came to the house. It's nice to do these in person when I can. I wish I could do more of them in person, but she came over to the house. We had a great conversation all about the new album and travel, all sorts of cool stuff. So let's go ahead and get started. Here's my conversation with Emma Joe. You ready? I'm ready. So I'm trying to figure out when did we talk last? Because time doesn't seem to mean anything during COVID and over COVID. Uh, is it three years ago? It's been a while. I was going to say, I think it must have been either late 2020 or early 2021. Yeah, like it was hard lockdown. Yeah. Which... Yeah, because I was in my mom's house. I remember when we talked last. <laughs> <laughs> and how'd that go? It was good. I mean, she lives down in uh, the Branson area. Okay. And so, you know, lots of music and down there it's it's a good good time but yeah definitely. well i love my mom but about two nights is about enough yeah yeah right? for sure for sure yeah, i was i think um... she feels the same way <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's uh th- well that's uh, it's nice to see you in person you too uh, and get to do this and uh congrats new albums out tomorrow tomorrow so this is why you're let's talk about knuckleheads tomorrow night too so yeah so what do you got going on so tomorrow we will be at Knuckleheads. I'll be there with my band, and the opening band is Timbers. Okay. Um, and then Lorna Kay's Country Club will be closing out the night. But we're going to do... So my band will be playing my entire album front to back, and along with some other things, some, some party tunes. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to release the album, kind of a, a big celebration. This is the first album I've ever released on vinyl. Oh, I know. I'm excited about that. So, yeah, it's going to be a really good time. I'm ready for it to be here. I'm ready for the album to be out. Well, it's interesting because I think people, you know, one of the reasons I started this podcast was to kind of demystify the music business. And I kind of think that when you are in the recording studio, by the time you're finished with the song, you're so sick of it because it's over and over and over. (laughs) Was that kind of like you're just relieved that now it's cooked? Yeah, for sure. And I think... Part of it is that I'm ready for people to hear it. This has been such a long process. I don't know if you've heard about the long wait times for vinyl, but that's been a big adventure. Like they told me, once you have all your files in, and that means all of your digital files for your uh, graphic design, like all of it, Mm -hmm. plus the music, you have to turn all that in and then wait eight more months. Yeah, And so, you know, 
at this point, it's just been so long and there's been so much prep and so much has gone into it, money, time, effort, you know, all of that. And so I'm just ready for people to finally hear this fine, <laughs> this finished product. That's great. I've listened to it a couple of times online, the, the one track, uh, mm-hmm. it's called Brave. What's the meaning behind Brave? So Brave is actually my last what? album. <laughs> yeah. See, this so is why I need to have more coffee, Emma Jo. This is just <laughs> terrible. This is why Here. we have, we have, uh, hang on. Well, this is weird. It says Brave Country 2023 with your name on it. How weird is that on Apple Music? Well, that is... So I did a re-release of my previous album, which I released in 2018. So Brave was a really cool project that I did, but the cover art was just so um different like I looked so different that people kept walking up to the merch table and saying who's this this is your opening (laughs) act (laughs) so I was like okay I gotta get some new cover art for it so I re-released it this year but this is the new one okay um this is this is called girl bandit thank you very much Mm mm-hmm well, this, see, this is why we have Pro Tools, so I can, you know, I will edit this and sound like I'm not a moron. Uh, this is great. So uh, let's back up a little bit. So about vinyl, um, you are considerably younger than I am. I grew up in the world of vinyl. So for a younger, so was it CDs for you as a kid? Like what was the yeah. first, okay. Yeah, for sure. So for somebody younger is, what's the, the appeal of vinyl? Is it just because it's tangible and it's large, you can look at it? Is it because it's like way back in now and everybody wants vinyl now? What what drove you to do it? I think it's one? both of those things. Um, people like vinyl because as you said, it's big, you can hold it in your hands and you can really, you know, I made sure that when, when I was doing my vinyl that I have a big pullout poster with all the lyrics in it because I think that's fun and it's tangible and it's a way for people to really engage with the music. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was definitely part of it. And the other part of it, I think, is that we live now in a society where we do so much scrolling and so much, um, you know, short form content mm-hmm. absorption. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, that I think it's really nice to be able to take a break, you know, put on a vinyl and really just sort of immerse yourself in that experience. Um, it sounds different, you know, you just experience it differently. And so for me, it's a really cool experiential thing to do at night. You know, I'll put on a a vinyl record and just, you know, cook dinner or whatever. And I, it's, it sets the vibe, I guess, for, for your evening. That's interesting because it's actually, uh, one of my favorite things to do is pour a cocktail uh, down the stairs and put some vinyl on. I have all my mm-hmm. dad's vinyl too. Oh, nice. Uh, and he was a jazz big band guy. So I have all that and I have all my, and I never got rid of mine, which most of my friends did. So yeah. I'm really glad. Um, it's just kind of a cool way to unwind. Yeah, it really uh, is. I like it also because listening to an album in, in sequentially, Mm-hmm. A lot of people wanted you to listen to it sequentially too. Yes. Did you think about that with this? You decided how to put these in a row kind of, was it telling the story that way? Tell me about that. Absolutely. So I did that. I put the songs in order and then I reordered them several times. We could trying to get the order right. Um, and especially when you think about, well, you're going to have to flip it over. And so that was an added consideration that I had never thought about before when putting together songs. Um, so I tried to put them in an order that made sense um, both musically and energy wise, but also when you, it, it makes you want to flip it back over, you know? And sure. so I want to make sure that the last song before you flip makes you ready for what's coming next. 
Do you have like, so, yeah, three or four albums that you just, you come back to time and time again? What are some of your favorite vinyl that you just love to put on? Um, I, one of my go-tos is, well, as you know, I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan. Yeah. One of my favorites is, you know, Born to Run or even his 2002, The Rising. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up in a time when 9-11 was sort of a formative event that was happening in the world. And his The Rising album was a response to 9-11. And so that album was about the world that I grew up in. And so it always resonated a lot with me. Mm-hmm. I used to tell my dad, The Rising is my born to run. And he thought it was hilarious because he was like, I don't know. He did not think that The Rising was a as good as born to run. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, there's, a, there's studies that most people, after 30, they don't really ingest new music. Right. Um, so I've tried really hard not to be that person. But right. That, that's, you know. I, in fact, I just heard a Paul Simon interview because he's doing a bunch of uh, stuff right now. And he said, you know, all the stuff that I was up till I was like 20, 22 years old, like I just, that's what I loved. And, mm-hmm. you know, which is interesting. And For sure. he had to force himself to go listen to Brazilian music and South African and where all that stuff started. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. If you want your music taste to keep evolving, you really have to force yourself to do it. So do you remember the world before 9-11 or no? Uh, yeah, for sure. I do. But um, like I said, it, I was so young that. 9-11 the post 9-11 world is my world yeah, for sure which is too bad yeah no I, that's uh, why i think young people are obsessed with friends we watch because it's pre-9-11 yeah i think the world was a different place and i think that's why gen z is like totally obsessed with watching stuff from the 90s yeah it's really hard um i actually lost a high school classmate Mm. in one of the towers and she was five months pregnant and my wife at the time was five months pregnant and uh it's a it's a it's a gut punch i think at Mm -hmm. any age yeah Um, i've been back to new york several times since then the first time i went by i didn't even know we were gonna go buy it and we went by it and i just started crying Mm -hmm. um and i wasn't even expecting that kind of response but it's just such a horrible Horrible trend. And I love New York. I assume mm-hmm. you do too. Me too. It's a great yeah. city. It's my favorite city in the US. Is it? Yeah. What do you like to do in New York? Just the food? I mean, the food yeah. alone, right? The, the <laughs> eat, drink. You can eat and drink your way across Manhattan. And <laughs> yeah. Last time I was there, I went to a great Amaro bar. Like, that's part of the appeal of big cities to me is that there's these um, little pockets of just weird little things mm-hmm. that you wouldn't think there would be enough of a market for but there is because it's a huge city yeah i went to a tiny little amaro bar i like the same thing about um tokyo and london and yeah you travel a lot i mean joe i'm jealous <laughs> i did a little tour in japan this year which was okay. incredible uh so let's talk first of all that's a long flight <laughs> right uh so why japan japan had just been on my list for a long time of you know There's just this lore of like places that are so, so different from where you live. And so Japan had been on my list for a long time. But then, you know, during COVID, they were closed longer, closed to tourists longer than just about any other Mm -hmm. major country. And so when they finally opened back up, I was like, it seems like now's the time. And wouldn't it be cool to be like basically the first wave of tourists to come back in because, you know... I'm sure that there will be fewer people and somehow 
the culture will be more, I don't know, even authentic or something. Yeah. And so went in March, I guess, of this year. And I, I hired a booking agent to help me because I, you know, I thought if I was going to tour Europe, I would kind of know how to book that tour. Like I know how to reach out to the right kind of clubs and bars and I could do that myself, but I didn't even know where to start in Japan. The language is very different and the culture is very different. And so I didn't even know what kind of venues would be the right kind of places for me to play. So I hired a booking agent and I did several dates in um, Japan at different little clubs and bars and it was super fun. I learned a lot about how to perform in front of different audiences. So I no, I actually dated somebody from Japan in college. I actually know some Japanese, but I have not been over there. Um, but I've always heard the crowds are different. Is that what you found? They're super polite. That's what I've heard. Like <laughs> yeah. they don't talk and they actually pay attention. Yeah, they do. That must be nice. It was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed this phenomenon with uh, Japanese audiences that they don't start clapping until they're sure that mm-hmm. the song is over. And so I had to get in the habit of saying thank you or arigato after I was done with the song. So they would know. So that they would know. That's kind of like a signal to them that, okay, we can clap now. And they're paying close attention. And so a lot of the Japanese artists that I was playing with would um, develop like false endings to their songs because they knew that they could keep it going and they could, you know, pretend like the song was ending and then like go back in all these dramatic false endings. Um, they, that had clearly developed as a result of the super polite audiences. That's funny. (laughs) So what towns did you love in Japan? I mean, obviously Tokyo is a huge city. It's like New York on steroids, but were there other like nice little surprises? Um, well, I loved Kyoto. Okay. Uh, it's a historic city and honestly, I, I played in Osaka twice I think and Osaka was really cool too it's just another big city I I felt like every city was huge (laughs) compared to Kansas City especially but well yeah coming from Kansas City and just going to massive cities like Tokyo is just big culture shock I want their trains yeah did you get to do any high-speed trains yeah um the bullet trains are amazing and even their subway, even their like just regular trains inside the cities are just so nice and so oh, they're so clean, right? Fast and efficient, clean, everything. It's it's wonderful. Actually, funny story. So the day that I arrived in Tokyo was the day of the Chiefs Parade. Okay. So it was I guess it was February, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um the Chiefs Parade was happening and I live on the route of the parade. So I was missing the parade, which was kind of a bummer, but I just happened to walk onto this train in Tokyo and I looked up and they had this little TV screen and just happened to be, they said it was like they were showing just news highlights or something. And it said, American Super Bowl parade happening today. And it was like a picture of my street. That's weird. (laughs) And I, I had this weird, just cognitive dissonance moment like i'm in tokyo and that's my street (laughs) yeah it makes you wonder like how many close misses you have with things yeah because when we were in london so we were in london 2018 and we we brought the kids because my wife made us um oh nice (laughs) Uh, and we're sitting in line for the the uh, crown jewels 
Mm-hmm. And my older son has a Royals hat on, and we're just chatting. And all of a sudden, he goes, "Hey, there's somebody with the Royals thing on." So stuff. And then it was a person that my wife grew up with and went to high school with. What? And they were in the, they're in line, and the weirdest thing is she has never seen her in, here in Kansas City <laughs> ever since they graduated from high school in 1989. The only time she's ever bumped into her was in London at you know uh in the tower yeah in the tower of london <laughs> and i was like it makes you wonder like how many times there's somebody like a block over or like because it has to happen but for sure very strange well that's cool that you got to go i'm yeah. jealous where do you want to go next i have so many places on my list but rising on the list is um switzerland mm-hmm. um i love i don't know I, I would like to go to norway um I did Sweden this year, and I, I like the Nordic countries, so that would be fun. Did you do your DNA so you know where you're from? Have you done that? I've done that, yeah. It's it's kind of boring. It just says, like, England and a little bit of France. Yeah. Really white person. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, really white. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's kind of interesting if you can make that connection with your ancestry, For too, sure. while you're there. Yeah. So that's very cool. Well, I, I'm jealous. I got two kids in college, so... We're not doing a whole lot of traveling (laughs) because that's expensive right now. It is. So we're going to go, let's talk about some of these tracks real quick. Um, Kansas City in the Autumn Time. This is my favorite thing, Emma Joe. So let's talk about this track, Kansas City in the Autumn Time. What, uh, you wrote it by yourself? Mm Mm-hmm. So what, uh, just because you love the fall? It's a beautiful fall day right now. I know. I do love fall. um, And I love Kansas City. So I I always jokingly say, it's not really a joke, um, Kansas City in the Autumn Time is my love song to my hometown. Um, I just think Kansas City has changed a lot, certainly in my lifetime. Mm. From the time I was a little kid, it was kind of like there were places downtown that you didn't really go. Yeah. And now it's just such a vibrant town. And so I wanted to capture the fact that, you know, how much Kansas City has changed in the song. And so I definitely did that um, and set it in fall because I love fall. So I, I came here in 94, because mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I'm 55. Uh, I'm kind of jealous of the younger generation. It's much cooler now. It's much cooler. <laughs> right? I mean, you never went downtown except to work. And then if, in, in the evening, so I worked downtown. Um, and it, seriously, you could shoot a cannon off down like 12th Street or Main Street because everybody went home. Like there was no, So it's so crazy now with the, all the uh, residential stuff down there. And you mm-hmm. know, the Constantinos is down there and all that stuff. It's like a different town almost. Yeah. It's funny because I think my mom, you know, similar to you, she definitely remembered Kansas City in a different light. And when I was first looking for my first apartment in downtown, she, I would mention, you know, how about this one? You know, I was just kind of going through, oh, look, going through the rental ads or whatever. And she said, oh, that sounds like a really bad part of town. And I was like, mom, I don't think you've, I don't think you've been down there in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't think people... It's amazing to me how many people in this town don't go downtown still. I know. I know. Which is weird. It is because it's changed. And it is... There's so much amazing culture and amazing food. I mean, we really are developing some of that culture from a bigger city. Yeah. Um, places like Farina and, you know, this is this is big city stuff, but... It's here at home. So do you just like to walk into clubs and restaurants from your place downtown? Like what oh, yeah. What are your faves? I'm always looking for good like food recommendation and places well, to play. Well, I live in the River Market. Okay. So um, 
it's a nice neighborhood feel. Not mm-hmm. a lot of, um, well, you know, I live like basically across the street from Harry's Country Club. Okay. And so I go in there all the time. They know you by name. It's like Cheers. Oh, yeah. When I walk in, they're like, Emma. <laughs> yeah, right? That's funny. We love LeFou Frog, too. That's I haven't been there forever. I need to get you back. You got to go. I know. It's, it's just as good as ever. Okay. Great to know. <laughs> so 12 steps. Is that actual 12 steps that I'm thinking of? or? Yeah, so 12 steps is the last song on the album, but it's really, I, I call it, it's the last song, but it's the first step. Um, it's about pulling yourself out of something. And when, um, when I was a teenager, my dad was in recovery. He was a recovering alcoholic and he was in recovery for the last 13 years of his life. And he used to take me to his open AA meetings because, you know, he would have every year he would have, you know, a sobriety anniversary and he would speak or whatever. And he wanted me to come and, and see his speech. And so I went to a lot of open meetings and I learned so much from the people and their stories at the, at these meetings. And I, and yes, there is a lot of language in the song that's sort of inspired by, pulled from 12 step programs. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I learned from those people is what it's like to take the first steps to pulling yourself out of something. Um, and that's what the song is about. For me, it wasn't alcohol. For me, it was pulling myself out of a really bad relationship and starting my life completely over. And, um, so I was really inspired by my dad and the people that I, that were around him who I felt were very courageous in starting their lives over. And, um, so that was what it was inspired by. Well, um, my father went through rehab. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was clean for 13 years as well. Um, I, you know, everybody's different, but he had hit so rock bottom, mm-hmm. so bad, so low. Um, uh, and, and, you know, I don't think my mom listens to this podcast anymore. She might be upset if I share this, but uh, my mom, we had an intervention and my mom said, either you get clean or I'm out. Yeah. Um, it's hard, man. Change is hard anyway. Admitting that you have a real issue is hard. Uh, and just changing your behavior is really hard, you know. I don't think anybody who comes out of rehab is just like, oh, I instantly want to drink. But it's such the craving and the addiction is so strong. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. And I the just, habit. Yeah. Well, and your whole life has been circled around this, right? I mean, mm-hmm. for like, you know, that was so... He was a musician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we're the only people on the planet that get drinks for free while, right. we're, while we're, you know, working. Um, so it was difficult for him to come out and be clean and sober and then the world hadn't changed yeah right there's so many triggers that would lead you back to your old habits yeah so what did you think as a kid sitting there i mean is it overwhelming to you to hear all these stories i mean obviously it's something that you took to heart because you wrote a song about it years later yeah years later i mean it, it has really formed part of my identity i think sitting in those meetings i felt like that it was a safe place. I loved going. Truly, I, I loved going. I couldn't wait until he would invite me to one <laughs> because the meetings are a very safe feeling place. And hearing grown ups talk about stories of times that they messed up mm. and times that they hit rock bottom, I just, I felt like it was such a learning experience of just stories that I wouldn't have heard otherwise. Right. 
I mean, I always try to take it with my father that, um, you know, he was the madman generation, you know, mm-hmm. he, was, he and Don Draper would have been the same age and, you know, they smoked all the time. They had martini lunches. Mm-hmm. Um, when he first started smoking, they told you it was good for you. I mean, it's just, <laughs> right. It's crazy. So I was like, in a lot of ways, I just try to think of it as I'm fortunate that I had better information mm-hmm. and be able to make better choices. Absolutely. Um, you know, my thing is two and through for drinks. I never had more than two drinks because I never wanted to go down that road. Mm. And hangovers suck. So, I mean, True. I'm too old for an hangover. <laughs> uh, well, that's cool. What's your favorite track on this? Do you have a couple that you really love? Uh, I'm really into Girl Bandit right now. I've been listening to my own album a lot because really, I most people have won't to. do that. <laughs> yeah, I like it because, well, like I said, that's the first one I've done on vinyl, and so <laughs> it's really nice to be able to. Wow, this is mine, and I get to put it on the record player now. Um, I'm really, really proud of this, and I my goal when I did this was to set out and make a record that I would want to buy, and I really think I did that. Well, that's great. So. You're obviously playing here at Knuckleheads. What's the early plan? We're going to be it's almost the holidays, which is nuts. What's your plans for 2024? Well, um, my plan is to do a little bit of touring regionally, um, play some shows around, and then think start thinking about writing a new record. <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> Who's in your band? So your band playing tomorrow night. Let's talk about what's your. How many, how many people in the band? What's the instrumentation? This is going to be the biggest iteration of my band ever. <laughs> so I have, normally I play with a five piece. Okay. Um, but tomorrow I'll be playing with my regular band members. Plus we're, I have two guitarists. So I have Devin Turan on steel guitar and Chad Vaughn on lead electric guitar. So mm-hmm. we have both of that those things going on. Plus, I'm bringing in a cello player. I'm bringing in horn players. And so it's going to be, you know, guest vocals and all sorts of stuff. So it's going to be a big, big party. It sounds like a big party. So cello and do you write those parts out for those people? (laughs) How did you figure out that kind of thing to do? So cello, there's one song on the album that has a string arrangement and I didn't do it. Um, I worked with, you know, I I recorded my album in Nashville Mm -hmm. and... um, we outsourced the string arranging to someone else. Actually, there was a guy in Germany, I believe, where he was. Um, it was an international affair, this record. <laughs> well, that's because now you can record anywhere. Yeah. In fact, Kansas City in the Autumn Time, um, I got this wild hair when we were recording the song. I thought it'd be cool to have trumpet on this song and then I thought who should play trumpet and then I thought well what about Herman Mahari and so I looked him up on Instagram and I don't even think he was following me I just sent him a DM and I was like hey I wrote this song about Kansas City would you be interested in playing on it and I'm in Nashville and he was like yeah I'd love to play on it but I'm in Istanbul wow (laughs) so I said well can we send you the track (laughs) So so he recorded it from Istanbul and flew in the track and and he's on the record. Yeah, I mean, COVID sucked. I mean, I don't think anybody, I think we all hated it. And I know I wasn't having a whole lot and I got really fat. And, you know, (laughs) um, but I really, from a paradigm shift for musicians, I think people who never thought about recording at home, people who never thought Mm -hmm. about collaborating with somebody who's not physically in the room, like that's all been blown to bits. Like it's never going to be the same. And totally. in a lot of ways, that's really cool because yeah. you can, you like you did, you can reach out to somebody halfway around the world and they can help. And you, 
you'll never know. You'll think it's he's in the room. Exactly. So that's very cool. Um, since you're such a traveler, one of my I do theme questions every year, and the theme question this year was, "What's your travel hack? Like, what do you do to make travel suck a little less?" I mean, once you're there, it's great, but getting there can be a pain in the butt. Absolutely. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. I have done a lot of. I do a lot of packing videos whenever I'm going on these international trips. I'll do packing videos of here's how I'm packing now. Um, I guess one of my hacks is let me think about this. Let me think. I want to give a good one. I've had some really interesting answers. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me think here. So I really like to have all of my pictures from being on an international trip especially, I want to be wearing a different outfit every day. <laughs> so you bring a lot of clothes. So I bring a lot of clothes. <laughs> um, and so I'll, I'll tuck everything, like my shoes have socks tucked into them. Everything is packed all the way. I got this great, um, from Amazon, it's like a, like a pill, because I take a lot of supplements. I'm, I'm I'm plant-based. And so, so I, I'm always taking supplements. Been and so, vegan since 93. Oh, nice. Vegetarian since 89. Oh, wow. So. Was it hard to be a vegetarian oh in God, Kansas City in those days? so hard. <laughs> I used to work for the KC Chamber and every every meal it would be we got barbecue or we got barbecue or we got barbecue or we got, you know, and they, back then they'd put lard in the Coke pretty much. Like, yeah, it was really hard. Anytime, just a salad. Nope, can't do a salad. We got to throw bacon bits in it. Baked potato. Now we got to throw bacon or what? I'm just like, it was like ridiculous. So yes, it was, it's so much easier now. It's I, so much easier. I'm sorry. I interrupted that's you okay. about your, your travel okay. hacks, but yes, that's my, my bitch about being a vegan in the early nineties. So go ahead. No doubt. I can, I can believe it. Um, yeah. So I got this great thing from Amazon where it's like a, it's, it's like a tube mm-hmm. and you can put all your supplements in it and it's labeled Sunday through Monday. Okay. And so I'll take that, throw it in my bag. I, this is not a good hack. I. That's a great hack. I have no, I have no good hacks. That's a great hack because you know I'm going to tell you what I was going to say when we were done. Like, hey, send me a link to that. <laughs> okay. I'm going to look into that. <laughs> okay. <And> so, <laughs> but this is not a good hack. I am a terrible, terrible packer, terrible traveler. In fact, I often don't pack for trips until the night before, even if it's an international trip. I am the worst. I'm an absolute terrible person to ask this question <laughs> so you're just like a frantic packer i'm frantic do you forget stuff then absolutely i do uh. <laughs> but here's a here's truly the mind shift that you have to make is that it's gonna be fine as long as you have you do you do one last minute check do i have my passport that's number one do i have my keys do i have to get back into the house when i get home yeah. <laughs> do i have a little bit of money do I have my phone? Do I have my charger? Yep. If you have those things, you can really get whatever else you need. But um, the key is just to not freak out. Did you p- pack enough underwear? That's a big one. You know, that's a big one. But truly, you can go to the store and get more. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. So do you always travel with your fiance? Do you travel by yourself sometime? Like, who's you? Who are your travel buddies? I, this is one of the things I've never asked this before, but, I, but we used to watch The Amazing Race. Did you mm-hmm. ever watch that? Yeah. I'm always like, who would you pick to be on The Amazing Race with you? Um, I do travel a lot with my fiance. I don't think I'd pick him to be on The Amazing Race, though. Um. 
just too much. Yeah, because we we had the same. I was like, we get along really well. We've been married for twenty five years, but I feel like this. I've seen some couples that go way south. Yeah, well, I think too, it's better if you're kind of almost opposites, or you have really different strengths. Yep. And since we both eat plant based, like, what oh, if there was a the challenge? challenge? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'd want someone who you need a has a really different lifestyle. Yeah. That's actually true. Being strategic about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, but um, I travel a lot with with my fiance Josh. Um, and this year I've been on two bachelorette trips, so I like traveling with girls too. That's fun. But I love traveling alone. I went to New York alone this year. Um, and probably after this is over, this whole album release mm-hmm. thing is over. I will take a solo trip to just sort of decompress. I did a lot of solo trips to Nashville last year while I was recording and. It's fun. You work with John John Salloway, right? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, he's been on the pod. Yeah. Like, he's super talented. He's great. He played drums on my record. Yeah, he can play anything. He, in fact, oh, he's a co-writer on Mirror. Okay. Um, he is such a good composer. He comes with you know just great progressions, and um, I I always can hear his Beatles influence. Yeah, he's because he has a Beatles (laughs) tribute band too. Yeah, yeah. He's amazing. Just a super multi-talented you kind of just hate him a little bit when you realize how yeah. many things he can do <laughs> yep it's nice if they're nice because then it's there's some people you're like oh my exactly. god if you were such not such a nice person i'd hate you i guys. would hate you <laughs> no, no that's cool now he was on way early i need to get to nashville i haven't been for a long time it's just yeah. hard i have all these friends and one of my buddies college buddy he actually has a recording studio there he's a big engineer and he's mixed a ton of country hits and oh, stuff cool. so yeah he's got his own studio it's pretty cool so you gotta go i need to go so did you go to the bachelorette parties in nashville that seems like that's a big bachelorette it's town. a huge bachelorette town luckily neither of the bachelorette trips i went on this year were in nashville i have crashed a few bachelorette parties in nashville when i was there solo traveling um because <laughs> I'd be at the pool during the day and I'd meet a bachelorette trip sure. and I'd be like, hey, I'm going to tag along with wherever you're going. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, it's it's fun. Um, we we did one in wine country in California okay. and then we did one in Georgia, Savannah. This is another thing that's changed since my, my I got married in 98. Uh, we went and had Mexican and went to a Royals game and then went to a couple bars. Like it was not like, it's, yeah. such, it's like a, such a thing now. It really is. It's become part of the culture. Well, you know, we were in uh, my college reunion, a bunch of my buddies, we met in Vegas. And so we're sitting at the pool, you know, hanging out and there was a bachelorette party there. So we start kind of like you start talking stuff with them. And then <laughs> I was like, where's the bride? And they're like, oh, uh. Marriage got called off. She's not here. But we already paid for the trip. So we decided we were going to go well anyway. Go. <laughs> so they were like having a good time. And I was like, does she know? And I'm like, no, she doesn't know. And I was like, well, that's probably good. Because she probably. Oh, yikes. <laughs> but apparently like it got canceled like the week before the bachelorette party. And like they'd paid for everything and stuff. And I'm like, well. Yeah. I mean, why not? You know, well, that's I would so, go. So where would you have your bachelorette party? New York City. Okay. <laughs> I I thought a lot about that. Um and I think that New York City is something that most people wouldn't think of for a bachelorette. Um, but I love it. It's my favorite city. And I think being from the Midwest, there are probably a few of my friends who haven't been. So it would be fun for them. And yeah. Do you have a favorite neighborhood in New York? Like, what's, um, like your, where's your hang? I love the East Village. Sure. Um, but yeah, like I've just been all around, all around Manhattan. I love all the little cocktail it's bars. It's funny because and- I have some friends in New York. Um, and how like they get so 
localized to their little specific yeah. neighborhood. So we have friends on the Upper West Side, and if you like, say, "Hey, let's meet in Chelsea," you'd think I was asking them to go to like Pennsylvania. Like it was, and it's like it's a fucking subway ride. It's like ten fifteen. It's so minutes. easy. But like they get like it's kind of, kind of like here. Like I'm a Prairie yeah. Village guy. Like I spend a lot of time in Prairie Village. Like it's not, you know, it's just kind of funny that they it just, is hilarious yeah. because. Yes, I have noticed that asking my friends who live in Overland Park to come downtown or, God forbid, the Northland for something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, have you noticed that people south of the river don't want to go north? Yeah, except for the airport. <clears throat> yeah, and vice versa. Northland people don't like going south either. No. Well, uh, I'm very happy that this is out. I will put in the show notes uh, where they can find it and buy it and uh, Instagram, all your your socials so people can find it. And congratulations on this. This is great. And uh, it's nice to finally meet you in person. Thank you so much. I am an architect. I've built a lot of walls around Emma Joe, everybody. Again, the new album is called Girl Bandit. I always do that work for you. You know this. Down in the show notes, how to follow Emma Joe, how to buy the album, how to do all this good stuff. I did not make it to the show. I did see that it was sold out, so congratulations to that, Emma at Knuckleheads. Uh, the wife had just come back. She'd been gone for four days on a business trip, and her flight literally touched down about the time that her uh, Emma's show started. So, you know. Happy wife, happy life, man. So uh, hopefully next time. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. I got two more left for the year, and then I am taking a long awaited and needed break. Uh, So next time, we're going back to Scotland, back to see and talk to my buddy David Barr. David Barr, who was in the uh, Moon Kids as a lead singer when I interviewed him back in, I think, 2021. He is out on his own. He's got a new album out. So uh, he zoomed in from a dreary, cold day in Scotland to talk all about new music and all kinds of things. Uh, Very interesting chat. So that is one week from today. Until then, go out, support live music. We'll talk real soon. Bye-bye. Searching for
that I'm moving.